Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When George Cascone fell for the shy and stunning Dorothy Luther, he wasted no time putting a ring on her finger. She was very attentive. She was what I wanted in a while. They were madly in love with each other. It just seemed like everything was perfect. But George didn't know that deep inside his teenage sweetheart was a diabolical woman. She's the closest to pure evil that I've ever come across. Willing to go to any lengths to possess everything. She was going to follow through with her plan. I gave her everything. I gave her the means to destroy me. When it comes to love and marriage, things aren't always as they seem. Good Italian Catholic boys always listen to their mother, and Kansas City native George Cascone was no exception. I was a mommy's boy. My dad died when I was 11, so she was my mother and my father. I did everything my mom wanted me to do. That included getting his mother's approval when it came to girls. So in September 1969, when a friend introduced 17-year-old George to a young beauty named Dorothy Luther, he immediately brought her home to meet his mother. Dorothy was sweet and shy, and George's mom took an instant liking to the girl. My mom took her under her wing, more or less, and her and my mom were almost like best friends. Under his mother's approving eye, George and Dorothy formed a close friendship, one that soon blossomed into love. She was real quiet. She was real good-looking. I was drawn to her because she had the same values that I had, and family and home and things like that. My sister told me she found this fabulous guy. He had a great family and that he would take care of her. This was like her knight in shining armor. In the summer of 1973, George and Dorothy decided it was high time they made it official. That August, the two were married by the Justice of the Peace, with a few close friends and family in attendance. Just had a couple of people. My mom was there, one of my best friends. I was happy. It was an anticipation, a new life together. My sister was extremely eager to get married. It was like a mission. 
George seemed nervous, a little edgy, but my sister, she was on her game. She was ready to go. After their honeymoon, the newlyweds easily slipped into the peaceful routine of marriage. Dorothy was a doting wife who worked at a local restaurant, while George finished college and worked several jobs. We lived in my mom's house and saved money to buy a house. She was a good wife. We very seldom argued or fought. She was very, very quiet, very reserved. I worked in a grocery store and also worked in a body shop and had jobs selling real estate. My mom raised me to work, and that's what I did. In 1976, the young couple welcomed a baby girl into the world. And by the following year, George bought his new family their own home. But shortly after the birth of their daughter, George began to glimpse a different side of his once-loving wife. Dorothy changed. She used to be real quiet and, you know, reserved. She became more vocal, very opinionated, very you know, dominating, controlling. Dorothy also seemed utterly indifferent to George's personal belongings. It was gradual. I noticed my stuff started dwindling. I'd have a few keepsake items on the shelf, and she would just box it all up and put it in the garage. I asked her, I said, where's this, where's that? She goes, I'll get it out. I can't do it right now. I'll do that later. Later never happened. George wished his wife would be more considerate, but he had no time to wallow. As the household bills piled up, George worked even longer hours, while Dorothy constantly berated him. All I was doing was working. There was no winning. She'd say, what are you going to do about these bills? She'd bring a big stack of bills out and she says, what are you going to do? Made me feel like the lowest thing on the planet. George tried to keep his chin up and continue doing what he thought best for his family. But as the years went on, Dorothy's behavior went from bad to worse to outright horrifying. On the evening of July 5th, 2010, George was entertaining friends at home when suddenly around midnight, there was a knock at his front door. I went to the door and it was the police and the FBI. And they asked me to step out and talk to them. And I asked them what they were here for. We explained to him what had been going on with Dorothy. We began to believe that she was going to follow through with her plan. She referred to the entire thing as a game. She thought she was above the law. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the spring of 1979, 31 years before George Cascone received some shocking news, he was working hard to provide a good life for his wife Dorothy and their three-year-old daughter. I was always double-jobbing it, always working all the time. I wanted to make sure they didn't long for something or feel like they were doing without. George was thriving in his professional life. He took on a string of rental properties and buildings, and money finally began coming in. But the road to marital bliss was becoming bumpier than ever. She controlled everything I did. She used to be real quiet and, you know, reserved. Now she's just 180 degrees the other way. And by 1984, after their second daughter was born, another set of problems surfaced. The spending is where it really kind of started. It seemed like the spending just would spiral out of control. It was crazy. Dorothy would buy anything and everything. She loved to buy shoes, clothes, and anything shiny or glittery. Or if it had a leopard print on it. She was all for it. I told her we had to put the brakes on the credit cards. She just went into a rage and just started ransacking the place. Just started knocking everything over, tearing everything up, just going totally bonkers, so I backed off. George decided to focus on keeping the peace with his wife, but Dorothy seemed to have other plans. One night in June of 1985, George came home to find his wife fuming over an unsigned insurance claim check. A big hailstorm hit Kansas City. When the check came for the hail damage, I didn't see it. And when I got home, she goes, you didn't sign that check. She made it sound like I wouldn't sign it, like it was something that was my fault. She got so mad. But there was more to the story. Dorothy finally admitted that she had tried to cash the check anyway. She just told me she was in a hurry. She ran to the bank, stuffed it in the teller's face, and they wouldn't cash it because it wasn't signed. So she was mad. Dorothy's insatiable appetite for money was troubling. Still, George did his best to keep his marriage together. But the distance between the couple only grew. That same year, a frustrated and demoralized George sought comfort in the arms of a close friend. I just wanted to find a little happiness for myself. But I didn't feel good about it. Dorothy found out about the affair She was enraged. I did apologize to her numerous times, but it just made her more enraged to talk about it. By now, George knew the way to his wife's heart was through his wallet. 
I just threw more money at it, just let her have more control of my money. I did hope things would get better. By the summer of 1986, things finally seemed to be looking up. George opened his own auto body shop in Kansas City, and Dorothy offered to do her part for the family business. She was there all the time. She paid all the bills and wrote all the checks and took care of everything. George hoped the joint venture would help their marriage. But by the end of that year, he began noticing large amounts of money missing from his business. I was working 20 hours a day and still broke, and I knew that some of the dealership accounts were 10, 12 grand a month. I mean, I should have had more money. George had a sinking feeling his wife was stealing from him. I just kind of turned a blind eye to it. I thought that I owed it to her for what I'd done, having the affair. So in 1991, George suggested that Dorothy open her own business, a wig salon, in one of his properties. Well, I had hope that she would be able to make enough money to be able to support her lifestyle the way she wanted to. But over time, it became clear that Dorothy had no intention of leaving George's bank account alone. She just always took my money to run her business. She paid all her employees out of my checking account. She paid her utilities and her insurance out of my checking account. I just tolerated it because I felt like I owed it to her for what I did. I tried to pay her back every way I could. I think my sister is probably the most greedy person I've ever known in my life. She just has to have everything. It was almost like a game to her. By 1996, the couple's already strained relationship only got worse when George's mother became ill. When she passed away three years later, the last remaining connection George and Dorothy had was severed. Almost immediately, she served me with the final divorce papers. She was uh, more revealing in her hostility after my mom died. With his troubled marriage finally over, George set his sights on a more peaceful future. But things with Dorothy weren't over just yet. In fact, they were about to get much, much worse. When I found out she sold his body to science, I was just in shock. She had transformed into a monster. In the summer of 1999, after a 26-year tumultuous marriage, George and his wife Dorothy Casconi called it quits. Despite everything, George was determined to make sure Dorothy wanted for nothing. In the divorce, I let her have numerous properties, all my car collection and everything that I had, all the houses, everything. Felt like I had to protect her. There was just one thing George wanted to hold on to, his mother's house. I wanted to keep that. I built that house with my mom in 1965, and I designed it. The house meant a lot to me. It was a very sentimental place to me. But George didn't know that Dorothy had plans of her own. She got my mother's house. When I signed off the rental properties to her, she attached the legal description to those documents as if I had signed it off with the other rental properties. And so she successfully got it from me, lock, stock, and barrel. 
I felt real stupid. That was one of the things I cherished the most. It's a big control issue with her because she wants to be totally in control of everything. And it was just important to her. It's almost like to be superior. Even worse, shortly after their divorce, Dorothy remarried. George decided it was time to play hardball. I bought a new building. She wanted to put her wig shop in there real bad. She says, is there anything I can do to get my business in your new building? You know, rent-free, of course. And I said, now that you want something from me, I want something from you. You can sign me back on my mom's house. And she just was kind of taken aback by it. But ultimately, the deal was too sweet for Dorothy to resist. And in 2002, she reluctantly agreed to George's terms. George hoped the battles with his ex-wife were now over. But by 2006, tensions between George and Dorothy reached a new level. Dorothy was struggling in her business. She wasn't focused on her business. She was more focused on her image. I got tired of paying the taxes. I sold the building, so she had to get completely out. She was real mad and outraged. This is one of the best things I ever did. She finally ended up moving her business into her house. So at that point, effectively, she was what they call belly up. George was relieved to wash his hands of his irresponsible ex, especially when he got wind of a disturbing bit of news. In 2009, Dorothy's second husband passed away. Everyone was horrified to discover what Dorothy did with his body. Immediately, she sold his body to science so that she could get the money for that and she wouldn't have to pay for a funeral to cut the expenses. I think you get something like um, $250 or something like that. I mean, it's so minimal, it's crazy. I was just in shock. She talked about it several times. She talked about doing the same thing with George. It's a cheap way out. I was angry. I was angry for his family. She's very methodical. I felt really lucky I got divorced when I did. By 2010, George had finally moved on, leaving the ugly memory of his ex-wife scheming behind. Until July 5th, when George had some unexpected visitors. I was at home with my friends here. We were just hanging around. It was late at night, around 12.30, and... Somebody was knocking on the door. I went to the door, and it was the police and the FBI. We wanted to let George know what was going on and what we had done to protect his safety. We asked him to step outside. They said, we have something to tell you. Did you meet anybody mad recently? And I said, well, you know, in my business, you know, I make a lot of people mad. And they said, well, what about in the past? George answered with the one person he knew disliked him in all of Kansas City. And I immediately knew it was my ex-wife. And they said, well, we have her in custody down for a murder-for-hire plot to have you killed. I was surprised to think that she would hate me that much after I'd helped her. But that was just the beginning. What really floored George was how Dorothy had gone about her insidious plan. She hired a thief to do a killer's work. She hired the wrong kind of criminal. On July 5th, 2010, 
George Cascone was standing on his doorstep dumbfounded as federal agents and local police delivered some unbelievable news. They said, well, we have your ex-wife in custody down for a murder-for-hire plot to have you killed. Investigators went on to say that Dorothy Cascone had attempted to hire a hitman to do away with George. But instead of doing the job, the hitman went straight to the FBI. He had known Dorothy for several weeks and had some of a relationship with her. He believed that this was a credible threat. The would-be hitman told the FBI that Dorothy wanted George shot around midnight on the 4th of July. She wanted it done on that day because of the fireworks that were going off for the 4th of July, and she believed that this would minimize any kind of other individual hearing what was going on. He provided three handwritten drawings that Dorothy had given him of the different levels of the home, a 38 caliber handgun that was loaded. He also told the FBI that Dorothy offered him $2,000 to kill George. The FBI immediately contacted the Kansas City Police Department, and together they planned an undercover sting operation using the informant. We provided this individual with the recorder, and he was then sent back to Dorothy Cascone's home. He asked Dorothy, how do you want George shot? One times, two times. She responded, I don't care, I just want him dead. After the money exchange and loaded weapons and hearing the conversations, we were confident that there was an actual threat to George. The FBI and police wasted no time. They arrested Dorothy and charged her with first-degree assault. My older niece called me and said, you need to turn the TV on. Mom's on TV. And I said, what channel? I thought, gosh, she's really done a good job this time. After the FBI informed George of Dorothy's arrest, a news crew showed up at his home later that day. And he was not shy in expressing how he felt. The part that insulted me the most is the fact that she was going to pay the hitman so little money. I mean, 2000 is just not enough money. George also had a little piece of advice for his ex-wife. She should have took somebody from out of town, Chicago or New York, and she should have paid him at least 10 grand. Two grand is not enough to get that kind of work done right, so in a sense, you get what you pay for. She hired a thief to do a killer's work. She hired the wrong kind of criminal. Shortly after his ex-wife's arrest, George learned that Dorothy had several life insurance policies she had taken out in his name. If her plan had gone off without a hitch, she could have inherited close to a million dollars. She would have ended up with this house, my buildings, and I guess a million dollars almost. On March 29, 2011, Dorothy Cascone pleaded guilty to second-degree assault. She was sentenced to five years in prison. I was pretty shocked for what she had done. I thought that was a pretty light sentence. When someone who's never had any control and never had any money, and you suddenly give them power and control, they can't handle it. It goes to their head. She wanted to call all the shots on everything. And for a long time, she did, and I allowed it. Today, George is still struggling to move past everything that happened. So he focuses most of his energy on his business and his beloved granddaughter. I don't have to work 20 hours a day. I don't have somebody stealing money from me constantly. I get to see my granddaughter more now, and I get to build a relationship with her. I and mean, that's important. 
George is uh, still pretty much himself. That's one of the things I like. He doesn't put on this fake persona. He remains true to who he is. Still, George admits that forming new relationships has been tough. Yeah, I'd never get married again. When you get married, you give someone the legal right to totally jack you over. I mean, it's like, here, take everything. Here's my keys. I surrender. I can't do that for anybody now. <laughs>